Hi, Greg here. Welcome to episode 57 of the Honest Bicycle Program. This week, we have something a little bit different and special for you. Due to a bit of a scheduling snafu, my regular co-hosts, Francis and Matteo, turned out to be unavailable. So I thought that I would invite my neighbor and good friend, Mike Wissell, over, and we would talk about bikes. We also did a live episode, um, streaming live over YouTube, which might explain some of the chatter you'll hear in here. Uh, I also want to note that we had a few slight technical difficulties in the process of recording this, and if the audio is not great in a few places, I apologize for that. Mike has a pretty interesting story. I didn't go into it in a great deal of depth, but if you would like to check out the show notes, you can find an article in there about Mike and his experience in getting into mountain biking and racing the Transylvania stage race down in Pennsylvania. So check those out at standarddouble.com slash WHBP slash 57. Before we get into the show, I'd just like to remind you that we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium, a fantastic network of fine cycling podcasts. And one of the things you can do to support this show or any of the great shows on that network, including the Slow Ride Podcast, Kids Don't Follow, Crosshairs Radio, The Meyerson Line, is you can donate. You can become a member, sort of an NPR type thing. So go on, check that out. You can give money to just one specific show that you like, like, for example, our show, or to the entire network, and that would be fantastic. You can also really help us out by finding us on iTunes and giving us a rating, leaving a review. Uh, That helps people find the show, and we really appreciate it. And, of course, feel free to engage with us on Twitter. We're at Honest Bicycle on Twitter, pretty, pretty simple, and... Yeah, would love to love to hear from you. So, without further ado, let's get into the show and uh, let's meet Mike. Welcome once more to the Honest Bicycle Program. I am Greg coming to you live, live for real this time in Boston. Uh, my normal co-hosts Matteo and Francis couldn't make it this week, and I thought, oh, oh no, who? Who is available who can say many things into a microphone on short notice and, and lives nearby? And the answer, of course, was uh, local racer, local elite cyclocross, mountain bike racer, general shop rat and nerd person, uh, Mike Wassell. So, hey, Mike, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be your morning after Pilgrim. Yeah, I still don't quite, I don't en- entirely understand the metaphor there, but... <laughs> But, uh, you had like an essentially, you essentially had an end of one to select from. Really, I mean, who's <laughs> close and also rides bikes? Yeah. So, like, really, it was basically an end of one. Yeah. Okay, that's true. That's true. I mean, it, I I had other people offering to join me on on Skype chat, but I said no. I think. Oh, I see. I think the world is ready. All the other people in Hyde Park that race bikes were like lining up. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm doing this. I, I, I this think this is going to be excellent. Well, yeah, but I also, I also thought that the world was maybe potentially should be introduced. The world, meaning our many dozens literally, of listeners, literally dozens, tens, tens of them. If I will get to hear me talk through. The Mack truck of allergies that has parked itself directly on top of my sinuses right now. That is a problem. Uh, it is that time of year. It, it, we're actually kind of playing a game this time of year, which is allergies or cold. Where that's a good game. It's really fun. Yeah, where we we it is essentially it is a guessing game, and you try and figure out am I fine, and I just have allergies, and I need to take a Claritin and suck it up, or uh, am I actually horribly ill? And I should just confine myself to my bed for a couple days and not not try anything too strenuous. Perhaps both, maybe neither. Perhaps both. I guessed I guessed very wrong last weekend. You quabbin, didn't you? I quabbined. I went to to quabbin of the sixty four and a half miles and four thousand eight hundred feet of climbing, uh, with no level roads at all. And I thought, and 
I was concerned beforehand because on Thursday I started feeling a little unwell. Uh, I said, well, maybe it's allergies. And then on Friday I was definitely sick. And I said, okay, it's all right. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to lie on the couch. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to pound all the DayQuil I can according to the directions on the label. Yeah, and I woke up on Saturday and I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. This is going to be totally fine. This is not going to be a problem at all. Uh, it was a problem. Yeah, it's breathing through a freaking mucus-filled straw at that point. You can't you can't do anything. Like You get that sick and you try to do a race. And you just, I mean, it's we've all done it, but it definitely, particularly in cyclocross season, it just turns into like this weird ladder of drool from your, from here to your handlebars and usually doesn't turn out quite so well for anyone, particularly anybody in a group with you because oh, those that poor is people. the saddest snot rocket. Oh, it, well, but yeah, you, you really get no, there's no velocity for that snot. It's bad. This viscosity. The vis- that's extremely high. Yeah, I just, the worst part though was was actually not directly the sickness, though that was bad because we were going up uh, like the very first climb of the race and I was, I had to ask uh, Joel, teammate, everyone uh if my if my rear brake was rubbing and he assured he assured me it was not uh, that's a hard question that is it's <laughs> a hard question with a worse answer yeah there is no good way there's just no way that's a good thing when you realize okay i'm six miles in that's climb number one feels like my brake is dragging but on top of that i had been i had been drinking a lot of water uh oh. a lot Oh, that is a long a race. Lot of water. That's a long race to drink a lot of water. It, yeah, I miles here. Well, we line up. I you know hit the porta potties a couple times beforehand. Line up, and we start going down the neutral the neutral start. And, and I thought, oh, hmm, I I actually have to pee really bad already. With, that is, there is only one outcome for that, and well, there's two. I guess you could be you could take the triathlete the triathlete road <laughs> and infinite shame, or you can perhaps rupture one or both kidneys or bladder or whatever is down there. That's not uh, a good situation. I was, to my surprise, deeply tempted to go the triathlete route. It was incredibly uncomfortable. I, I know. I, I, know. I, I, spent the, I spent the entire race on the back thinking, maybe we'll slow down and I can, like, dash into the woods for a minute. Or maybe I can... I've never taken... Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I was in desperate straits. You didn't lift the pant leg and hope for the... Best. Well, I was, try, I was thinking about that. I've never done that off the bike before. I'd never practiced it. And I was just like, oh, this is bad. And the motor ref was back there. And I actually, oh, like, yeah. went back at one point to the motor ref. I was like, if I pee, you're totally going to DQ me, aren't you? Aren't you? He was like, well, yeah. Is it an actual ref or was it like one of Mike Norton's motorcycles? No, no. It was like an actual, actual it was an actual ref. It was, this is a USA cycling race this year. There were the Blue Angels or whatever the, those two. Oh yeah. yeah, They do have the, they do have something embossed on the backs of their leather jackets. I did. I definitely remember that. I don't don't remember it well, but I remember it. Yeah. No, it was a, so yeah, it was a real ref and and I thought, I don't know. And I really was thinking. don't want to. Don't want to like actually go to the back and piss and like spray the motor ref. That is a sure path to sorrow. Oh yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna end well. And on top of that, so I really was I was legitimately tempted to just pee my bits. I've never been so tempted in my entire life. It was horrific. It was I was I was in so much I couldn't focus on racing, and I'm just like looking for any opportunity. And I thought, well, I could just let it go. And I was thinking like, there are dudes behind me, and also like it's it's probably. It's just going to go badly, and ultimately what it came down to was um, I thought, you know, if my legs were really, really good, like, it is acceptable to pee your shorts if you go and win the race afterwards. Like, that's pretty much the only way that works. I guess. Well, and then, yeah, even then. what if you won really? I mean, unless you win another pair of bib shorts. (laughs) Yes. Like, you really haven't won. Like, nothing that you win is going to replace that set of bib shorts that you will most likely have to throw out. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and no one... Oh, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking, like, can I, like, go and then, like, just empty my water bottle into my crotch? Like, will that help? No. The answer is absolutely not. Like, what do you mean? You pour, like, drink mix down there so it's, like, pissy well, and sticky? <laughs> terrible. Well, it was water. Like, all of a sudden you have, like, scratch... Scratch-smelling piss? Like, that's the worst. Oh. That's like adding air fresheners to, a, like, a crappy bathroom. <laughs> it's like, oh, good, it smells like poop in the nail. <laughs> you know, Fantastic. Well, it's like when people, you know, they have, like, the matchbook on the toilet, and it's like, oh, honey, no. Oh, what does no. that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's like set fire is this what I've done I'll put it in a bag and put it on the porch and set it on fire and that's what would have needed I would I was like maybe maybe when I get done I can like tie my bib shorts to like the the wiper on the back of the car or something <laughs> no like a, no. Like, no, no like a pissy parachute on the back of the car so anyway I ended up not doing any of those things because I thought I just thought there was no way like that I could live it down ever. No, no. When, uh, when someone, uh, someone in my old band uh, did, they wet, wet themselves. They were quite drunk and pissed their pants. We stuffed it in one of the bands that we were touring. With. We stuffed his pissed pants into the bass drum as a bass drum damper. Uh, and they wondered for many days what the smell was in there. They tore everything, but could not find it. It was incredible. It was, it was, uh, it was the best because they couldn't, they couldn't find out. So that's actually kind of a fun, well, I don't know, is it fun, a, a little transition, because before you traveled for bike racing, you were traveling for bands. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a lot, it's similar, like, you're similarly crowded, uh, it's a lot less healthy, it smells about the same, and it's louder. <laughs> I think those are, and there's more fire. I think that's the difference. One More fire. Yeah, we would, we would set each other and things around us. We actually had to ban fireworks, because, uh... Mostly because we kept catching fire. It was terrible. That's, yeah. There's nothing quite like flying a, down a highway at 85 miles an hour <laughs> in a fully carpeted inside of a conversion van from the 80s with like bottle rockets and Roman candles flying around your head uh, and and occasionally hitting you and catching <laughs> catching things on fire. We we yeah that was those were banned. Uh, Overall, banned. from what I've gathered, just uh, it, it really seems like bike racing is a much safer pastime than, like, the hardcore, like, band scene. Yeah, I mean, I've never been chased by an axe, uh, a wielding guy in a in a bike race. Uh, that was definitely also something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've never, at a bike race, I've never, like, you know, driven up a long, lonely road, totally lost with a, ba- a group full of, you know, dudes with, like, long hair and skinny pants. Uh, and pulled up in front of a building with like crazy like Iron Cross stuff or whatever. There's a bunch of clan dudes hanging out. And like, oh, we're gonna die here. Uh, we're definitely lost, and we were gonna ask for directions, but you know what? We're cool. We're just gonna we're gonna keep going until we're out of this state. Oh uh, well, riding in the country in the South was a little bit more like that. <clears throat> Agreed. So that is having lived in the South. Agreed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same too. I actually got. I was thinking about this today because I actually got for the first time ever in my entire life. I got bitten by a dog today while riding my bike. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that was. Uh, yeah, it was about as fun as you might imagine being bitten by a dog usually is. I don't have prior experience, but I assume that it's usually pretty terrible. It's pretty bad. Uh, and you know, I spent in the South. Like it's a legit thing that like people. You will be riding along remote country. By the way, I'm not trying to like trash talk the South. I mean, sometimes it deserves it, but you know, in this aspect, it deserves it. Uh, but nice, nice people there. But in it, but that was a you'll good, be a good backtrack, by the way. That was well. I just want to cover my. I smelled the rubber and the shoes as you skidded to a halt and tried to scamper backwards. I'm not trying to say the South is terrible, only that you are likely to be chased by dogs while riding your bike there <laughs> because. <laughs> Fair enough. These are different things. These are different. Terribleness enough. and being chased by dogs. Not necessarily the same. Because people will, you know, it's this is a feature, not a bug, by the way. This isn't because people like are irresponsible dog owners. It's because they uh, will actually train their dogs to chase off strangers. Uh, oh, that's true. That's very so, true. But but nonetheless, I managed to I managed to escape uh, my time in the South without any dog bites. And I was I was riding down the bike path, not even a mile from my own house, when I. I came across a woman with a couple dogs uh, off the leash, and this dog comes toward me. And I'm used to dogs getting excited and coming coming toward me, and it's fine. Um, There's a subtle but, posture difference when they're not super enthusiastic about you. Well, I I really yeah I I kind of he didn't do the thing where they kind of like kind of do the uh, uh, bouncing their on their front legs kind of away from you in a playful manner. Ah, no. He kind of just sort of got right up in my business. <laughs> mm. And I thought, oh, this is odd. Uh, and then I, then I really got a clue when all of a sudden he latched onto my right ankle. <laughs> Oh, man. In spite of the, yeah. The best part, the best part was, uh, he bites me, I yell. He bites me again. Uh, 
So, so got a, got a couple in. I hop off the bike and I'm like fending, fending this asshole dog off with my bike. Yeah. And he, as he's like really trying to get at me, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, it's like doing, being a matador, yeah. like my bike out. And this lady, the, the woman who's been yelling at the dog to get away says like, he, he won't hurt you. I'm like, lady, this dog has bitten me twice already. <laughs> no, 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 it's not, no, he hasn't. It's fine. It's like, <laughs> It's like the crappy dog owner bad parrot sketch. <laughs> it's like, are you fucking serious? That's amazing. He won't hurt me. He's already right. shown oh, a deep commitment to causing me harm. That's, that's amazing. <sighs> yeah, that's great. So now i got to get like a rabies shot or something. Because I, yeah. Ugh. They don't still do like the giant needle in the butt, do they? No, 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 no. Really? Because no, no. that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Is not, it is not so terrible. I've been doing my research, actually, because... I've been quite concerned. <laughs> I mean, I'm less concerned. I think that the chances of this dog actually carrying rabies and actually having transmitted are basically zero. Yeah, chances but... of rabies are low. Like, I mean, bad training is high, but rabies is probably uh, pretty low. Just super mad. I agree. I think like, it's pretty turdy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> I'm getting some tweets. Oh, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is eight watching. We have eight uh, on our eight, special live eight broadcast. Live humans. <clears throat> Are we one of says. them? Like, is it really seven? It's probably seven. It's probably seven. Yeah, I mean, we're at, we're at least one of those people. <laughs> I'm really the delay is eerie. But, uh... The delay is really weird. And it's, it's really <laughs> funny. I was uh, I was thinking of setting it up so that I have it running on this and I could face. The phone and, pick, and I don't know, create a loop that would be. Oh, I don't yeah. know what that would do. Doesn't that usually just go blue? I don't know. Or it would just suck us into the matrix. I really don't know. That that would be weird. So, um, one of the things I thought about mm -hmm. since you were here that might be interesting was coming into cycling or bike racing as more of a outsider. Because it seems, I don't know, cycling is, especially bike racing, seems like it's pretty outsidery already. Like, it's a bunch of weirdos doing it. But, uh, I don't know, your path might be a little more outsidery and weird than most people. So It doesn't seem that way, though. Um, I mean, when you do come into it, it doesn't seem like everyone else is an outsider. It seems impenetrable because everyone speaks a language you don't know. And it's wildly different from really anything, <clears throat> anything else. Like, even if you come from another sport, you know, there, it's a very different... It's, it's it, as far as, as, at least in America, at least, it would have to be because, I mean, what do we have that's an analog to that, that you would as a kid or even as an adult come into it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this, you know? It's, it's very sort of, you know, it's, it's traditionally sort of, I guess, a more European style thing. And there, it's, you know, obviously they grew up with it. Here, to me, a guy was like, hey, man, come mountain biking. I'm like, what the hell is mountain biking? And I just assumed it was, like, skateboarding in the woods. <laughs> and I was like, cool, that sounds great. And, like, you know, I get this kind of cheap little bike and proceeded to break it in every way you could break a bike. And then I got a nicer bike, broke that pretty much every way you could break a bike, and I got, you know, and, it, and continued up the line until, like, I decided to stop jumping off of, of dumb shit and start racing bikes. Because it's mostly what I did. It's like jumping and a lot of dirt jumping and stuff. Because that, to me, like, made a lot more sense because I came from, you know, like, skateboarding or whatever, and it's like, oh, all right, I can I can wrap my head around this. It's like, oh, this is a big rock. I'll jump off of it. Cool. The whole idea or even concept of, like, riding inside on a stationary trainer to get better at something is like, there's no human way, there's no reason to do that. Why would it? Yeah, it turned out there was yeah, and oh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know as far as the people go. Uh, I didn't realize at the time that you could kind of even within cycling, you could find your own circle of people. When I was first kind of riding and not really racing, the only racer dudes I knew seemed like they were these kind of frat guy, uh, backward baseball cat kind it's of so, road it's dudes. It's funny that you say that because that's the reason I stayed. I actually was attracted to it and stayed with it and became much more serious is because there was a serious lack of backward baseball hat frat guys. You know, I mean, this is mm -hmm. this. It was 
that was uh, that was always like antithetical to me. I was never into sports. You know, I, I really never was. Even when I played them as a kid, I always felt like sort of an outsider, like, you know, playing Little League or whatever. I was just kind of like, I just sort of stand around like, this is, this is kind of dumb. I'm not really, <laughs> like, really skateboarding. So it, to me, it, it, the appeal of it was, it was almost like an anti-sport. You know, it, it was, it was more about the people that did it and their paths to sort of fulfillment through it that were really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think once I got involved, once I admitted to myself that I was a competitive person, which was kind of... I've, I've only been a very competitive person. Oh, <laughs> well, so have I. I just for some reason was had no self-awareness about it. <laughs> once I actually was like, all right, I'll try this bike racing thing and got involved, it it became clear that, that uh, uh, you know, I mean, there are jerks everywhere, you know, but... Uh, that I was operating under a considerable misapprehension, and it's probably because of that impenetra- impenetrability of it, where it's like, what are these people doing? They're shaving their legs, they're wearing these weird pants. You're not supposed to wear underwear with these pants? <laughs> <coughs> yeah, you, you try that once. Yeah, so I didn't so have try it once. That. Well, I mean, there's, there's the no underwear thing, which I was kind of on board with. Uh, but then, then I was introduced to the concept of chamois cream, and that was just... I didn't wear shaving cream ever until, I'm trying to think of the one time I started, like, I did many 24-hour races without chamois cream, because I was like, why would you use that? Like, it's, you know, you have this pad, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I, I was like, also, uh, related, why can't I sit down for three days after a 24-hour race? <laughs> That's normal, right? You're it's totally just, fine. It's yeah. totally fine. What's this, what is this abrasive feeling that I have? Now. Well, you were doing 24-hour solo races, weren't you? Yeah. I guess yeah. that's how I started. Like, I got into it, a friend of mine was like, hey, this guy I work with, he's like, oh, let's do, we're going to do this 24-hour race. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. Sure. <laughs> and it was great. Like, it was him and a couple of, like, he's it it actually, it was him and his dad, and they were super cool, this other guy, and we did the 24 hours of Great Glen, and it was super fun. Like, it was basically like hanging out and eating all night. Which really is something that appeals to me in so many different ways. <laughs> like, you know, just cooking all night long, eating things, and you could just, you know, ride whenever you wanted to, which is great. And then I saw there were people doing it on their own, and I was like, what? Like, if I'm having fun doing this, I'll probably have a lot more fun doing that. The answer is no. That is absolutely not the case. <laughs> it is the opposite <laughs> in the in the fun scale. Uh, you do it by yourself, and it is, it is a uh, bizarre sort of endless thing. It feels like you were born somewhere sometime during that race and you, you will eventually die there. <laughs> and I have like, it's really bad because I'll get, I don't get good songs stuck in my head. Like I'll get commercials. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And like, I remember the, the, the 24 hours of Pat's Peak, the last one I did, I ended up, I have the one I won, I did it in a freaking thunderstorm. Like it was horrifying. And I had the Meow Mix commercial stuck in my head. And it was like, you imagine like, like you've been riding for, you know, 12 or 13 hours and you're, it's pitch black and it's pouring rain and you're slogging through the mud. It's, it's a five mile lap and a thousand feet of climbing and all you can think of is meow, 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 <laughs> It was unbelievably terrible. It was really bad. Uh, yeah, I, uh... That was the first 24... I didn't realize there were team 24-hour races. The first thing I heard of was the 24-hour solo thing. And yeah. it just uh, it seems like, yeah, when we take it to misery. Even if it's... In it, with the songs, even if it's a good song that gets stuck in your head, um, it's still, like, just one chunk of it. It's just, it just repeats it over the, and over. Yes, it is not a long loop. Yeah, and it, it's like... You're like... It, it's like that weirdo at the music festival who plays, like... This sa- section of a song on repeat over. This is a real thing of uh, a song on repeat over and over again in high volume. It's like that guy's just I'm like so driving happy I have along. Never been to that music festival. I made a lot of bizarre and strange uh, music decisions in high school that I'm not proud <laughs> of now. I have too, but most of them have involved like three day long death metal festival. Yeah, which, we'll see. That's the thing. You can at least look back. Terrible, but you can at least look back on that and be like, "Well, that was cool." Well, and I can... sort of. 
Ah, oh, sweetest. <laughs> Again, I love that song. That's my favorite song. Yeah, but I was at like a lot of shows with like people kind of like strumming guitars and crooning. Ah, it's, uh, bad. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, you know, I, yeah, you know, proud of my roots. <laughs> I say like every now and again, like I'll if I if I like if I. If I'm feeling like okay with where I am in a race, which is pretty rare, I'll actually start like singing songs out loud, which is always funny because I like that's just sort of to amuse myself. Usually when I'm stuck by myself and there's no one around me, it's like hooray, right in the woods. <laughs> it also kind of weirds out people as you're coming up on them. I feel like you're laughing people, which is also pretty funny. How <laughs> is that? Oh god damn it! <laughs> See, like there's a lot of solitude in mountain bike racing. I don't have a lot of experience with it. I've only done. I've only done a few. I think I've already told the story of like the first mountain bike race I did. Yeah. It was horrifically embarrassing sandbagging because I was a three on the road and I thought I'd do the three mountain bike race. Well, the problem, the problem with mountain biking is it's really hard to tell because for whatever reason, and this is kind of stupid, the categories don't line up <clears throat> at all. Like there's no, no. the catalog, ca- uh, categories are not analogous, and especially for beginners and especially especially for people who have road fitness, they come into it and they're just like, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a three on the road. I'll definitely be a three, which is a beginner category. Oh, and yeah. end up like, holy crap, like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because a lot of the time it's like you can't turn that well. So you've got road fitness, so you're yeah, just true. bouncing off rocks at a million miles per hour. The thing is, though, like, the, the turning thing with mountain bikes, like, that's... That is, like, not always super important. Like, the race last weekend at Winding Trails is incredibly important. This is a fantastic course. It's really dynamic. There's a lot of turning, a lot of short, punchy climbs, a lot of accelerations. And if you have that ability, it's fine. But if you did the race the week before, or two weeks before, whatever, at Hopbrook, it is essentially grinding up dirt roads, which really doesn't benefit any sort of bike handling. There's no real technical stuff. It was just watts. And that happens. Like, that actually happens more in, in mountain biking than you'd imagine. Because you have to think, like, how do you set up a mountain bike course? Like, if the people who set it up have a good place and really know how to do it, it's going to be great. If they don't, or they don't have access, or, like, you know, the, the venue says, hey, we don't want you to trash this single track, but you can definitely use these other things. It's like, well, I'd rather have a race than not have a race, but, yeah, we're going to be blowing up these fireworks. <laughs> And that's like, <clears throat> that turns into sort of a no-fun situation as well. Yeah, it's nice to get some, some turn. I mean, that's kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, the, the racing dynamics are different, but you get that kind of same thing with cross courses sometimes. Sure. Some are, some are awesome and flowy. And, I mean, I don't know, people talk about flow sometimes a little too much with cross courses, I feel like, which is, I don't know, it just seems like that's a mountain bike thing. No, I mean, there's, so like, Cycle Smart is a course that has flow. Like, yeah. it has... The turns make sense. The turns lead into each other. There's a good mix of power and cornering. Yeah, they're and, not just like slow 180s and yeah, they're not slow 180s. Or it's or and it's not like you know 500 meters of sprinting and turn. And yeah, you know it's it's much more. You can if you can carry speed into those corners. If you can, I guess, flow through those corners, then absolutely you can you can benefit hugely from that. So it does exist, but like not. I guess it's 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 pretty difficult to capture uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of the cross courses because you are very limited by the back of whatever high school that you got a permit to pin you pretty Yeah, totally, lines. totally. And there's there's <laughs> just things that they don't want you to, to trash. It's nice when you can go through, I mean, uh, like a, I don't know, the kind of ideal venues for, in terms of the people who own the venue being okay with you trashing it aren't always the best ones for course oh, design like if it's a farm or something like that and it's like well yeah sure tear it up whatever but then it's like you're just going up and down someone's someone's cornfield which actually is awesome at yeah. orchard cross i was gonna say like oh that so there's a couple of good examples there's, no, there's definitely some good there's definitely some good examples there's definitely definitely some good examples i just can never decide but like between cross and road like i don't know i got into riding bikes probably because of the Light sort of sensation involved. Hmm. In high school, I was I did some downhill skiing and that was super fun. Uh, but that is just not possible for anyone with a student Normal in job. Yeah, to, to really <laughs> yeah do. And then it was like, oh, on bikes, I can do the same thing. I can ride up this hill and then I can fly down the hill, whatever. Fair enough. And it's I can't decide which 
it's weird because I'm objectively better at cyclocrossing than the road bikes, but I, I just can't decide like which of those brings me more of that flowy, flying along feeling sometimes. There, there should be no real reason to pick. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, that's why there's more than one kind. You know, there's obviously a lot of stuff now that's starting to blur the line where you have a lot of these sort of off-road things like the Rasputista you did. Oh, uh, yeah. So there's stuff that's like that's starting to blur the lines between those disciplines. You know, which is which is great because you can you can kind of keep your if you're interested in you know really doing a lot of cyclocross, you can kind of keep some of those skills sharp. It kind of lets people in. It's a it's a window into that into that world for folks who may not already know. And it's also a lot of fun. I mean, just just a lot of those like gravel whatever things are just like fun rides. So, I mean, that's that I feel like is what's missing a little bit from the formula. Uh, for like for growing bike racing and, and what have you, like there is a lot of the a lot of those rides, like the, the whatever the IRR that Adam does and and uh, Rapidista and like the dirty was it the dirty 40? it was the dirty forty that isn't around anymore, but there's the there's uh, that's <laughs> the, the same people forty or whatever. yeah sure some uh, some Ted yeah. King yeah. nonsense some uh, sort of <laughs> maple syrup and flannel forty. But yeah, but like those, those Vermont are, Overland. But those those things, I feel like there's, like you you can do those in such a way that it's not fondoized, but still just sort of welcoming and fun for pretty much anybody who wants to do it. And you just show up with what you got, and sort of run what you brung, get out there, get in a group, have fun. It's fondoized in all the good ways, though. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's yeah, like yeah, the good things enough. about that, where it's like you, you sign up, like you can kind of just. You know, there's going to be probably, like, some food afterwards oh, yeah, and a big no, party. That's, and... that's honestly, like, that's what I was saying to to the guys who put on the Kenda Cup, and that's what was missing from mountain bike races. So we started mountain bike, when I started mountain bike racing, even, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, like, me, like, three or four other scrubs, and Justin Lindeen. And I was like, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. You know, like, I first upgraded, started doing the one race, it's like... There was, you know, I'd race three dudes, and now, and the reason wasn't so much that nobody liked mountain biking, is that there, the community was kind of like, eh, you show up to these races, you drive a while, you get to a field, there's no porta potties, like, there's <laughs> nothing to eat, it's 95 degrees, there's no shade, oh my God. and you're just like, what the hell am I, 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 gotta, I gotta get home as quickly as I can, you know, like, I gotta get out of here and find yeah. something to eat. And now it's, you know, these, they're starting to incorporate a lot more of that cyclocross dynamic where there's a kind of a party, like people hang out, they, they can, you can eat, there's, people are grilling at the venues, like there's little sponsor expos and stuff. There's stuff to do that isn't just race your bike, get back in your car, go home. Cause, and, and that's, that I think is what the, one of the things that, uh, that's drawing people to a lot of this, this stuff is like, and bike racing is super, super brutal in that no teams, it's one person wins out of whatever. And yeah. like, it's almost never realistic to be like, yeah, I'm win this. You know, like I showed up for the race last weekend, like basically with my couch out, like, here you go, guys. You just take, I actually ended up doing okay, which is really, really cool. But like, honestly, you can't expect, like, it's so much harder. So you have to really, it can't necessarily just be about winning. So it has to be about something else, right? So you have to have yeah. something something to it, and that community is what makes it makes it viable. You know, you can't, you, especially if you get all these competitive folks together and they line up, it's eventually you're going to get tired of beating your head against the wall and not yeah, being successful. And you really can, like, or you can have a really successful season and not win a single race. Oh, hell season. yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Like that's totally that's the only option, you know? And it's like you can't even complain. Like I mean I had this last cross (laughs) season where it was like it was an awesome it was an awesome season. I had like four or five podiums or something like that and you know, but like just top ten all the time and it was like great, I didn't win a single race. It's like I can't even be mad about that. (laughs) Like you know, and that's no. So, there's 125 dudes also trying to be top 10. You know, and yeah. that's and if you can, if you do it, it's awesome. And you have to really align your goals. But really, it's if you it, the the way to make it sustainable is to make it not necessarily just about that. Oh yeah. You know, we're all amateur bike racers, right? You know, none of us are getting paid to do this. 
why do we do it? Like, it's hugely expensive. No, I mean, yeah, we're really? actually spend, we're not only yeah. not getting paid, it's we're spending absurd amounts of money. Like, monumentally inconvenient and occasionally, like, detrimental to people's family lives and everything else. Like, you know, you come home from a race and, like, you know, your first thought is, like, hey, I should probably, like, do all this giant pile of laundry I've just accumulated. And it's like, no, this is going directly on the floor. And it's like, <laughs> that can only happen so many times before it's like, oh. I'm definitely offending everyone I live with now. Like, I'm sorry. And like, you, you want to clean up. So like, there's, there's gotta be something else beyond that sort of chasing the, chasing the result. And to me, it's really the, the answer is, is community. And the way to build that community is to create venues where people can get together. Because a lot of these folks, we never, I never see anybody else at bike races anymore. Like, no. you know, I, I, no. I, we all live all over the place. Right. So, you know, I have, and that's one of the cool things too about about doing this is like I know people in that live in northern Vermont. Like when the hell would I have ever met them? You know, I would never know them outside of that. But we see each other once a month, right, at bike races. And it's rad. There there's a certain sense I wish I was just thinking about this recently as far as like meeting people and, and having the social connection. And some of that is is within the actual team um that we're on and some of it is is kind of the larger ad races yeah. social life. But I was thinking like, you know, as as a modern non-church-going person you know i think i think this is like what a lot of people get socially out of like something like going to a church or being in a club sure. or like it is like oh actually yeah this is like a major part now of how i'm connected to my fellow humans uh and you know it, yeah it's so much beyond being competitive and, and winning it's like i go to races that i have no chance of ever doing well, and I mean, you know, it's something like Raspy Tizza, like, you know, it's an open field, like, I'm not going to that race thinking, like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to ride away from Ansel Dickey on the climb, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to just drill it on the downhill. That was incredible, but it, it, it turned out that, 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 by the way, Ansel Dickey, um, young, young, fast, talented uh, person uh, on Estella showed up I, to... I appreciate that you said that with a little bit of a grunt. <laughs> stupid talented people. Well, I mean, you know, normal humans like you and me. I mean, like, what can you do? <laughs> it's it's uh, not his fault. He was... It's not his fault. <laughs> I would actually argue that it's very much his fault. He probably works very, very hard. Oh, sure. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> no, he does work very, very hard. But but he is genetic. But you may still hate well. his legs. I hate his legs. But it was, I, I never saw his legs, so it was sort of not an issue. But anyway, like you know, it's like you go to like that. He rides away from. Him, like some of the fastest dudes in the Northeast and sure. Canada, you know, on a dirt climb on a road bike on a specialized Ollie sprint with 28 <laughs> millimeter road tires and then drills it down like the sketchiest descents in New England. Uh, just holy hell. That's fun. Oh my God. And so it's like, yeah, I don't go to, you don't go to something like that as like a normal human being like, I'm totally going to win this. You go being like, wouldn't it be cool if I made the front group? And then having missed the front group being like, yeah, I'm in the second group. That's pretty good. Cool. I'm in the second group and, and so on down the line. And so on and so so forth. Depending on uh, how things go. Yeah, I was psyched with making the second group. I actually made the first group at that race. And, and it was one of those things where you're in the first group. You're like, I'm in the first group. I'm in the first group. And you think, I... I, I gotta leave. What do I do now? Do I, do now? <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't stay here. This is not going to end well. Yeah, I'm so over my pay grade right now. Uh, yeah, it was it was bad. It was like they eased a little bit. It was the grand final start. You get into the group after chasing forever, being very very careful uh, because it was terrifying. Gravel is so different. Like it's it is actually I'm I'm more convinced of of it being like a unique thing because I've ridden road bikes down gravel roads forever, but it really is so different from both road and cyclocross because you've got the speed of the road and the sheer like butt clenching terror oh, of cyclocross. I yeah the gravel stuff. It, I can't. I can't. Rep, so at, at Transylvania, we have the, there's like a, a road. There's like a bunch of kind of like weird gravel road stuff. And on one, that's the fastest I've ever been on a mountain bike. It was on a gravel road. I went like 56 oh, miles an hour yeah. or something on yeah. a mountain bike. And it was the scariest freaking thing. Like in the corners, you know, you'd start all the way inside up against the little. There's like a little ridge. You, you're up against that handlebar, almost on it. And the corner comes, and you drift from the inside all the way into the bushes on the outside. You're like, ah! <laughs> and that's and that's how you that's how you do it. Like it's so terrifying, but you have to just be okay with the bike moving around under you. And I did not know this. I had no idea about this. I'm just following a motorcycle. I'm like, oh, motorcycle's going there. I should, you know, whatever. 
And, you know, <laughs> I ended up, like, getting, it was, oh, no way. If I had known how fast I was going, I'd be like, I would probably grab brake and crashed on my face. I mean, I gotta be honest, it was these, these, these gravel races I'd done the last couple, uh, times when I did Rasputitsa and last summer I did Vermont Overland and yeah. do it again. But it's like, I was like, wow, I am actually very chicken. Like, I, I was very okay with my bike handling skills, but it's like, you combine like road downhill speeds, you're going 45 miles per hour with no traction, and I become very afraid. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's, it's like you can't turn. You can't actually turn. And then there's craters because it's spring. Well, the thing, the thing is though, like, you're, if you, grew up or spent time riding those roads, they'd be demystified. You know, you would not right. be as frightened. Like, people out in Western Mass or in Vermont, like, that's not horrifying to them. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, but they, you know, those same folks may, might come into the city and just be like, how do you people ride here? This is horrifying. This is terrible. Like, everything <laughs> yeah, sure. sucks. So, there's, it's just, it's it's what folks are used to, and, and there, is a, there is a solution. Like, there is sort of a body English solution to that. You know, like, you just have to... You just have to crack that code. It's like it's it's like anything. It's like turning on a cyclocross bike. You know, when yeah. you start out, you're a freaking battleship. You know, it feels like you're going real fast because you're pushing the tape, but you're you're not going very fast. No, <laughs> at all. No, yeah, you do have to turn it very differently, and it's it's just like you have to learn a new skill set. To, I mean, I don't know. I kind of turn a cross bike a lot, like I turn a road bike, but. Yeah, I mean, your your cross your road roady cornering is quite good for a cross. I mean, but but the thing, but nobody. But then we get into like choppy that. stuff, yeah. and it's like <laughs> I don't, I'm not really sure what to do here. Yeah, so. and that's and that's and that's where you know, like a lot of these gravel things, like you get someone that does train out there. Yeah, they're going to be pretty good at ripping those downhills because they know exactly what to do. And Ansel is from Vermont, I believe. I believe he is from Vermont. Is he a? Is he a uh, to Maybe it was that'd be embarrassing. But I, don't know. I, I believe he is. I believe he's a local kid. So there, there you go. <laughs> someone, someone correct sure me or not? Yeah, or we're probably did. What are we down to? Like three people? No, yes, we we're started, up to started. We lost started ten eight. at one point, and uh, we're at nine. So uh, someone got sick of the apparent fan at least, at least one. But. Uh, you know that's all right. So I did. I did. I, I, I guess we could wrap up soon. I did one oh, more fine. question what? about. Uh, well, you mentioned the couch thing, and I just, I have a concern. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple concerns. First of all, I'm not sure that, that I, I'm not sure how far this meme has spread, because I think it might be a little bit mystifying to people. Second, it's okay, though. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. We might, want to, we might want to demystify it a little bit. I think that would be one thing. The other thing is, I'm just, I'm becoming very concerned of, of a potential shortage in images of destroyed or flaming couches. I think that New England is running out of photographs of of couches in various states of disarray. Oh, man. I, 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 the only solution to that is probably for me to be faster, and that probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... I mean, it's, it's like a... I, I, it's... I believe the first time that that really... that uh, that the couch thing happened was... I want to say I was trying to entice Ryan Kelly into a break, and I was like, "Come on, come on!" And like, we're in a crit, and we're going, and like, I had no, I, I was just like floating around in the pack, and I went to the front, and Ryan was up there, and I was like trying to get him to go, and like, I guess one of his teammates was in the road or something like that. So every time I went, he just sit on my wheel, and he wouldn't. And I'm like, "Ryan, come on, fuck your couch, fuck your couch!" And I'm like, "What the?" <laughs> it was quite funny, and like, and that sort of like. It sort of came out of, I think it sort of came out of that and other, other things. I think "fuck your couch" is from something, but I don't know. Oh, from it absolutely, it's from something. It's it's the Chappelle. Uh, Chappelle's oh, Chappelle. Okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's the, it's Chappelle. The, the, you can pretty much Google you Google "fuck your couch" and it'll it'll come up. It's quite funny, uh, <laughs> but it's more about sort of disrespecting or perhaps defiling <laughs> something that is personal or sacred <laughs> to you. In public or in a group, which is basically what happens to me every time I race a bike. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's it's it's a standard. It's a universal experience. And yeah, that's it's true. <laughs> you could probably actually we could probably come up with uh, uh, some kind of rating system for for races actually based on based on flaming you know, couches. Four out of five four flaming couches. Four, four to five couches. It's true, but I mean, I feel like I feel like though that is also that's that's very relative. Like you couldn't have that as an absolute 
standard of measurement. Like, why is this not one of the subcategories on, on cross results? You know, you've got the spears, the skulls, the catches. <laughs> the catches. So, like, I guess that would be a function of, like, what? Like, average speed? Like, what would it be a function <laughs> yeah. of? Like, how many well, people... Well, it could be just are... voted, like, like everything else is voted. <laughs> Fair so enough. It could be like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a sort of, how hard was it for you? <laughs> yeah. How, how much did this, how much did this make you vomit? How sad, how sad were you at the end of this race? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, we do have, like, and I do enjoy that there is sort of a vernacular, like a weird jargon that, that we have... And it's and it's and it's it's made more fun by sort of its adaptability and our willingness to kind of play around with language and create kind of ridiculous ways of describing ourselves and what we do because what we do really is fundamentally ridiculous. We <laughs> ride hundreds of hours either in a in stationary like me most of the winter or like whatever we do we do all this stuff to completely destroy ourselves with these shorter term events usually not do very well. Let's be honest. We usually don't do that well. And, like, we just keep doing it. And we keep doing it. And so, like, it's it's actually quite... It's, like, a really, really funny, funny thing to people who understand it. And that's, and, and that's part of, like, it's part of that impermeability and part of that sort of shared experience that actually makes it really, really funny. And, like, I guess my goal would be that it retains some of that impermeability because that is that is part of what is appealing. It is part of, like, what makes that enjoyable but make it accessible to to anybody you know make it make it so that because really what it comes like the feelings are always the same you know like it doesn't matter if you're you know you're riding as hard as you can and chasing the leader to running from the leader as that leader might be lapping you like it's the same sort of like oh god this hurts oh god you know it's the same sort of thing so like i feel like that's universal enough that the language really can be like a unifying feature in our in our uh, our tribe, in our wacky little group, and it's you know it is and it's a good group. It really is. Like we actually have meaningful discussions about things like gender and equity and things like that. Like I feel like that's we're a meaningful vehicle for stuff like that. And there's a lot of places you can't discuss that still, or at least discuss it in a way that isn't like throwing flaming bags of dog shit at each other. I mean, and, and that always, happens, but... And it always surprises me. Like, I get, uh, Alex, one of, our, one of our teammates, Alex, like, had, uh, brought up something, about, I believe it was about the Shane Sutton incident at... Yeah, at right, right, yeah. Where, where it's like, and, and, and some guy responded with, like, nonsense. Like, and it always, like, completely staggering to me when that happens in the cycling community, because... Like, because seriously? Like, because I, because do I need to even explain why? Like, I feel like if I need to explain why, then you... It's, it was unbelievable. And it's... That, to me, is, like, one of the most promising things about the group that we sort of... We, we belong to, or, or the group that we have, is that that is the exception. That is not the rule. And it's okay to talk about this stuff, and it's okay to talk about, like, hey, there, there are all these issues, and how, instead of just... I, instead of Certainly just, within our corner of it, of, of this world, anyway, it's it's getting much. You know, it's I, true. It's, it's when you kind of expand it, it gets it gets dicier. Of course, like like know. anything else, you pull the lens out far enough, <clears throat> and it's you know it's it turns into a freaking YouTube comment world. But like, really, like the the group of, of folks, and, and I feel like cycling at large, and I don't necessarily mean top down, but I do mean like at large, like, the, the body of people who do care about cycling care about the, care about equality within cycling. You know, and it's not just, not just, not just women, it is, it's people of color as well. Like, there's, there are barriers, there's huge barriers that like we were talking about to entry. And it's, it is, it is like a weird impermeable thing. And, you know, can we through, through our language and through the way that we present ourselves and portray what we do, can we make that better? Like, can we make it more accessible? And, and that's, that to me is what I guess the ultimate goal is. Like, that's what we should be striving for. Because partici like, participation, the more people participate in it, the, more, more, the bigger the pool gets, the better the pool gets. I, I mean, and, and I feel like anybody who needs to be explained to why something like that is important. Something like, hey, it would be great if, you know, 
and women were paid the same at races. You know, their races were the same as men's. Like, I feel like maybe this stuff explained or like, hey, they're probably probably could do a better job at like, you know, incorporating other like people people of color like other other sort of subgroups. I feel like the people that need to explain to them like that's part problem. <laughs> Like, yeah. Why do we have to explain this to you? Like it's it's uh, it's it's very fr- that part of it is very frustrating. But I feel like you know as a whole, whether however you describe progressive progressive, I feel like cycling is that. I mean, people may have their own sort of political views, but I, I feel like in the in the sense of like in that in that particular sense that we're talking about, like I feel like cycling is really a progressive place to be. And it's a good place to kind of air those those ideas out. Yeah. Uh, well, that's probably that's probably a, a, a wrapping up point. Do we lose everybody else? No, I no, we still have. have uh, no, they're just, still there. I just sort of like. They're still talk, there. Talk straight without stopping, like I hoped I wouldn't. That's good. It was a good soliloquy. It was fine. It was it was, it was very important important thing to say. Oh, we did just lose one. Well, everyone, that's going to be. <laughs> Just lots like, of viewers dropping, dropping like flies. Down. Well, our stream health is very poor. When you uh, say stream health, so viewers will it says it says stream health right there. It's the red thing. It's poor quality stream. I I might do this again sometime. I'll try and figure out ways to make it technically less terrible. <laughs> uh, in the meantime. We're on Wide Angle Podium Network. There's a bunch of good shows up there. Go check them out. There's a Slow Ride podcast. There's Crosshairs Radio. Uh, there's the Meyerson Line, which is coming up at uh, 9 p.m. For those of you who are listening live, head on over to the Meyerson Line. Uh, who, check them out. Who would like to, to probably listen to something that isn't just a... Yeah, listen to that one. Definitely yeah. listen to that one. Yeah, it's going to be going to be Adam Myerson and, and Al like Donahue. six or seven of you that are still listening to this, like, probably should listen Oh, to and we lost one more. Yes. So, all right, yeah. Uh, we haven't even started talking about Dungeons and Dragons yet. Oh, man, that might be... <laughs> if that's a future episode, I'm going to put that in my calendar. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be the Honest Dungeons and Dragons program. That's going to be great. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. The show, Mike. Right. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, not at all. And that's the show. Thanks everyone for listening. I'd just like to remind you, real quick before we go, um, check out WideAnglePodium.com. Become a member. Be our hero. Um, we really appreciate your feedback, your support, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>